Let's look at fantasy buy lows and sell highs, trade targets, who's up, who's down. You know how it works. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and did you know that a pearl is just an allergic reaction from an oyster? I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball on TikTok at redrock underscore bball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Be a double banger. Listen to the audio, watch the video, go do both of them. Just let them play through, let it all go all the way through. Thumb up, bell, notifications, and comments. Let's make an early guess. We're recapping the week 11 buy low, sell high show. How many out of the 10 did I nail? Drop it down in the comments right now. And then also you can guess outside of the bloke who's on the thumbnail, and actually I haven't decided who I'm going to put on the thumbnail yet. Who do you think is going to be in this show as a buy low and sell high for week 13? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's take a look. Just again, a quick disclaimer. The five buy lows that I'm talking about, the four sell highs that I'm talking about, are not all of them. Maybe the four sell highs. I couldn't really find many. I always want to find ones that, that I look feel really solid about. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're the only ones that exist. The buy lows don't mean you need to go and get this guy. You don't need to feel depressed if the buy lows are on your, on your team. It's a good thing. It means they'll improve. If there's a sell high, you don't have to get rid of them. You just have to enjoy. You can ride it out. And if someone offers you an insane deal, you take it. That's how this stuff works. You don't have to do a fantasy trade. You just don't have to do it. You can do it if it works, but you don't have to. So we're looking at production over the last two weeks. Things fluctuate a lot in fantasy basketball. And understanding how to cash in, when to cash in is, is key, I think, to building. A, if you can do it successfully, you build a dominating team. That's as simple as that. It's not, that, it's not as easy to do always. But if you do it, it's great. Let's... um. Let's recap week 11. Let's see how we went. On the buy low part of the uh, of the program, we had a look at Devin Booker. He was 80th. Since then, he's 15th. Big W. I think he settles in that second round range. Maybe you, maybe late first. Maybe. Torres Maxi was 79th. He's 14th. Yes, he was aided a little bit by Joel Embiid's absence. He's probably not going to be 14th, I would guess, rest of season. And a lot of the time that happens that with these buy lows, sell highs. They go um, really low, really important, or you know, high. They... Um, they have a great ranking and then they drop off to a bad ranking and the reality is somewhere in the middle. And that's how we get like end of season rankings and two month, three month rankings where things oscillate. But you're well aware that there are a lot of people who are unbelievably reactive after one quarter, one half, league winner, droppable, got to move on. What's going on? Yet, like that's not how this stuff works. It all averages out. So it's, this is what buy lows and sell highs are. It's taking advantage of other people's inability to see past what just happened in the last five minutes or the last week or the last two weeks. And trying to cash in on that. And if you can't do it, you don't. That's that's how we go at it. Anyway, Maxi, 79th to 14th. The reality is probably 30th, 35th, around there somewhere. But fine. Jaron was 87th. He is 20th since then. Big step up. I would be 
obviously the situation for Memphis has changed since then. I would be selling him for any top 50 player if I could get it without question, maybe even top 60. Um, Towns was 112th. We talked about just the complete absence of defensive stats. He started to get some more of those. He's up to 32nd. I don't think top 20 is realistic for Towns. I think 24 to 35 is probably fine. So that's about the right spot. And then Kobe White, this is an interesting one. This is obvious as well, is that he was 149th before Zach Levine came back. So we posited that his value is not going to be necessarily all that tied to Levine. And Levine came back and he's jumped to 56th. Because what was happening is the shots just weren't going in. And I think he's maintained most of his value. I, I, he's not going to run at top 20 like he did for a while. He's going to sit in this 50 to 90 sort of range, I guess, which is a wide range, but that's sort of how the rankings work. But that was a pretty obvious one. Um, hit all five of those, really easy. Really easy buy lows and sell highs there with those. What about on the sell? Oh, we have another sell highs. Let's do them now. Do we hit all these? Yeah, we did. Five out of five here as well. That's a big 10 out of 10 combo. Darren Fox, one of the best ones of all time. He was 14th. And when you, whenever you, Darren Fox is underrated in terms of the amount of stands that he has. The amount of people that just froth this guy, it's crazy. Said he was 14th and he was going to be a sell high. No way, mate. He's definitely holding on. Is he? Well, he's 103rd since then. Now, he's obviously not the 103rd best player. He's also not the 14th best player. He's sort of in that middle, 26 to 40 sort of zone. But if you were able to turn that into a top 20 player when he was rolling from the guys who firmly believe that this is who he is, well, you do it. Miles Turner was 21st. He's 115th since then. Jesus. Um, that's not the reality either. He's probably in the 40, 50 zone. Foul trouble, limited minutes have really held him back. Um, and again, there's always one person. Like I talked about Miles Turner. Well, look at these shooting numbers. They're insane. Someone said, well, he's hitting his free throws at a high rate. Maybe he is this level of a shooter. No, he isn't. Because again, we have done this for years and years and years. And the NBA has been in existence for years and years and years. And you just know what's not going to hold. And that is really the key of being able to take larger sample sizes. And you might eat shit for four weeks or five weeks on a player who maintains a hot run, but you know it's going to fall. Ingram was 25th. And now is he like one of the more disappointing players in the NBA at the moment? Yeah, 170th since then. He was putting up ridiculous defensive stats and now they've all gone because that's who he is. He can't shoot anymore. His usage is down. He's not a top 50 player. Um, so congratulations if you sold on him at all. He might be 70th rest of the season, about that mark. Malcolm Brogdon, one of the easiest ever as well. 73rd he was. And I said, get any top 100 player you can at any point because he will not maintain starters minutes. Um, we'll say, this is before I think Simons and Scoot were even back in it. And he is, this graph is not even to scale because I didn't want to include the scale on Brogdon because he's 360th per game since then. And that would have made everyone else looked insanely small. 360th. There are people holding on to Brogdon. Get that garbage out of here! Please drop him. He's not 360th, but Jesus Christ. Easy. Aaron Neesmith, 85th. Since then, 134th. Injured as well. He is, to me, a fringe 12-team league guy that you can roster, but you do not have to roster. And I think when we look at that, the results were pretty good. That's a pretty good result on the buy lows and sell highs. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Oh, I've got a new, I love, I love a new copy. Passion, drive, patience. It what, it's what brings home the winning trophy. And it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. 
eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Supercharges, roof racks. Does a roof rack get peak performance? Not sure about that one, but they've got them. Exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether it's speed, power, style, eBay Motors has you covered. They've got 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. Now, your number one ride or die probably doesn't need 122 million parts. That's a lot of parts, but all of those parts are there actually to suit everyone's number one ride or die. Inclusivity, it's all there at eBay Motors. eBay Motors, you burn rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. Of course, eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to US customers. So now we can actually get into the uh, the real buy lows and sell highs. And let's start with the five buy lows. We are going to talk about Cameron Johnson because it is a rough run of things at the moment for the big fella who is struggling and a lot of people want to drop him. He's 256th over the last week or two weeks, sorry. 227th on Yahoo, 165th in fantasy points, 11 points, four rebounds, two assists. That's all shit else. Two and a half threes, 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks, all pretty bad. And it's very easy to get caught up in the what is happening now, this guy is killing me situation, which fair enough, like that's been happening, right? He has been bad. But do we really think that this man who averaged 15 points a game in 29 minutes uh, last season is an 11-point scorer? He averaged 1.2 steals, and that's well down at the moment. Look, that might may or may not come back up. I don't know. He also, you know, the rebounds, they're fine. But the easy thing here to see with Cam is he's hitting 34 from the... Uh, uh, from the field, 33 from three, and 44 from the free throw line. So this man is an elite free throw shooter uh, and an elite three-point shooter. He last season was at 84 and 40, the year before 86 and 43, the year before 85 and 35. Now 35 is not great, but he's hit over the last two games, 7% of his three-pointers. Over the last six games, 33% of his two-pointers, and his free throws, uh, they just stink. And I don't know why. There's no real reason for him to have suffered this much of a drop-off. So even if we don't think he goes back to being an 86 free throw guy, do we think 44 is real? Do we think 50 is real? Nah, that's going to jump back up. And that, of course, adds more scoring. In addition to him not being a 40% three-point shooter at the moment, and maybe he doesn't become that. He is 39 for the season, though. Why can't he hit any twos? He's at 52% from two for the season, 36 over the last six games. Last season, 55 from two. The year before, 52. The year before, 59. This is just an incredible slump. Now, I did talk about Johnson saying, you miss your preseason with that hamstring injury, suffer it again. That can lead to slumps. But this shit's bullshit. Like, it's not going to hold at this level. I'm telling you now, there's just no way. And when your free throws and your two-pointers and your three-pointers are all set to rise... Let's be charitable and say 30% on free throws, 30 percentage points. Let's be charitable and say, we'll, we'll just give it 10 percentage points on twos. It could be 16. And let's just give it seven percentage points on threes. It could be 10. That gives you four or five extra points very easily. Your percentages aren't a huge negative. They become a huge positive. And you're back as the 90th, 100th best player. Uh, this is not a tough thing. The thing that is a little worrying is the fact that he can't hit a shot at all and his minutes have pulled down, but we know that happens. Man, you're ice cold. Just come out for a bit while someone else is in. He'll get red hot. He'll go 7 of 7 from 3 in a game. They'll have 40 points in play 29 minutes, and then it'll be all back in business. If someone drops him, I'll add him. But you don't have to give anything to get Cam Johnson. No one cares about him at the moment. And I get why. I do get it. I'm not viewing him as a top 70 player. Like I thought he could be around 75, 80 preseason. No, hasn't happened. Minutes are down. Not producing at that level. That's cool. We've reassessed. But I don't believe any of this. I don't believe any of these numbers are going to stick. So, 
do what do what you need to do. In a deeper league, you throw your worst player. In a 12-team, you throw your worst player. You get him off waivers. You do what you need to do because there's real value in that. Now it's time to talk about my man, Maximum Derek White, because he was a player, obviously, who was flying this season. I was somewhat skeptical of White hanging into the season. You're well aware of that, even though I am the biggest, biggest Derek White fan that exists. I was like, I don't know that he's got enough to do on this team. How is he going to be the fifth offensive option? and get enough usage or enough ball-handling responsibilities. I didn't expect Drew Holiday to have fallen off as much as he did and for White to be the primary initiator because that has been the case. I was wrong on that. And then White came out and was absurd. Like, he was like a top 20 player for stretches. I went, okay, I don't... This is crazy. How is this real? And now it's swung completely the other way because he's 135th over the last two weeks, 94th on Yahoo, 144th in points, averaging 12, 4, and 3.6, which is totally pedestrian. Ever since I said, yeah, I think Derek White's on the All-Star team, he's been, like, terrible. Like, at least for his standards, he's been really bad. And like Cam Johnson, there are very easy things to see. What is Derek White? Who is he? We know who Derek White is. Is he one of the best defensive guards in the NBA? Yeah. Well, why is he averaging 0.5 steals and 0.5 blocks over the last two games? This man is running at 1.1 and 1.1 of both of those for the season. So they're cut over in half. Like It's, it's more than a, a 50% drop in steals and blocks. Uh, that, look, there you go. Like that, Number one, done. Like that's, that's the easy part of it. Also, this man was running at career-best shooting numbers, and I did have some skepticism on that. He's running at 47 from the field and 41 from three and 55 from two, which I thought, okay, maybe, maybe not. But now that has fallen away. His two-point percentage is down to 38%. His threes haven't changed that much. They've gone from 41 down to 39. Not a big difference. But from 55 from two down to 38, it's an insane drop. Last season, 55 from two. The season before, 52. I think we can expect 50 plus and that he's going to come back up. Now, he was rolling at like 57 from two earlier in the season and I don't think that's going to hold. 54, 55 sounds reasonable, but it's really easy to see so much of this stuff come up. And for a man that it's very easy to get 0.9 blocks for what he does, having only half a block a game over the last two weeks when he's averaging 1.1, well, that's what drags you right down. I don't think you view him as a top 20 player at all. I'm not even sure that top 30 is realistic rest of season pulling him back sort of to where I um, was projecting him, I guess, at the start of the year. So we get into that situation of like, how do you, how do you view Derek? How do you view his production? Well, I think if I could get, acquire him at a top 70 rate, which is above, oh, and this is how you always want to run this. It's above where he, um, where he runs for the season. It's, um, but I think it's, I mean, what am I trying to say here? It's obviously top 70 is way, way lower than what his current rank is. It's also a little bit lower than what I've got in projected rest of season, but it's significantly better than what he's done. And that's what I talk about when I say you don't have to do buy lows, but we, if you can do it, you do it. Acquiring Derek White for a top 40 player is not a buy low. It's not remotely close to being a buy low. But if someone is panicked, if someone is like, oh, of course, back to the old Derek White, then you can probably get in there and get a little bit of a bargain on that. Half of the value of this show is, right? These are guys you can maybe trade and you can acquire, try and acquire them and here's the targets. Also. That's part of it, right? But also part of it is like, just what's happening with trends? What's going to change? If I'm going up against a team with Derek White, is this likely to hold? If Derek White's on my team, why is my team so bad? Well, this shit's going to improve. And it's just giving you an idea of the way that trends can work across the league. And I think that's important to know. I, I do. I think it's really uh, having that sort of perspective 
irrespective of whether you pull off a trade or not, again, too many bad trades go down in, in uh, fantasy leagues that, that can be quite detrimental. But it's more just about knowing where the values should sit uh, with a lot of players. Let's talk about another one of my favorite players, Scotty Barnes. And I say that just to get you riled up. I don't dislike Scotty Barnes. I don't love Scotty Barnes as a player. But I was, let's see, let's, how do I phrase this? I was down on Barnes. I had him 60th, 65th around that mark at the preseason. And then he came out of the blocks and blew me away. I went, all right, I didn't see a lot of these things coming. And recently, he's been worse than I thought he would be. I adjusted some of my projections for him, um, but he's been worse than I thought he would be at the start of the year. And I am a little concerned here, a little concerned. 91st over the last two weeks, minus one. 110th Yahoo, 72nd points. He's averaging 16, 5, and 5, which is like mid. He's at 1.73s with 0.7 steals and 1.4 blocks. The the blocks, which admittedly I, I didn't expect to be where they are, they've stuck and that's well done. But there are a couple of things that are really concerning here. One is the addition of Quickly and Barrett, and we worried about Scotty Barnes's usage coming into to, after that trade and went, okay, is he going to be able to maintain the usage? And at the moment, the answer is no. Like last season, he had a usage of 20. This season, he was like started to roll at 26. He's down to 22 now. And with Quickly, with Barrett, who you might be hearing his name later on, um, with Siakam still there, the usage is down. But there is a chance that Siakam is traded and Barnes gets a few more shots. The other worrying thing is what is going on with the rebounds because he's averaging 8.5 this season. He's down to 4.9 the last two weeks. And that I am a little concerned about. I don't think Barnes goes back to eight or nine rebounds. I think that part of it is his new role on defense is pulling him further back from the basket where he's doing a lot of help stuff closer to the rim before. And now he's doing a lot more point of attack defense. So he's not there for rebounds. And that's because of the change in personnel. So I don't think that's coming back. But what I do have a level, some level of hope with Barnes level, is that like, okay, the three-point shot is down to 34. Do I believe that Scotty Barnes is going to maintain 38% shooting? I'm not sure that I do. Obviously, shithouse last season, shithouse the year before, 28 and 30%. This season, he was up at 40, and it's just slowly coming down. It's something to watch. There is room to spike there. But the other thing is, is he's hitting 55% of his free throws in the last two weeks. And that even though I don't think he's a good free throw shooter, he is better than that. Weirdly, his free throws overall this year are worse than last season. He was at 77 last year, he's at 74 this season, but it has been on a downward spiral. And his field goals are sitting at 47. So look, again, these numbers, he was, his year, my numbers for the year, 28.5, 5.6 with 1.4 steals, 1.4 blocks. Fantastic. The problem is, is everything except for blocks continues to drop as the season goes on. I don't think there's any way that Barnes is a top 10 or top 20 player rest of season. He is like 24th for the year. I don't think he's even top 25 or top 30 player rest of season. I think his end of season rank is going to end around 35th to 40th. I think that at the moment, I wouldn't feel... And when I put target top 50, we get Josh, you'll never get him for top 50. And I, I get that, right? I do understand that part of it. But w- what I am saying there, we're saying target top 50 is... If I am buying low on Barnes, and obviously he's been worse than the 50th best player the last few weeks, you might even extend. Yeah, at least the last two weeks, he's been way worse than that. But what I'm saying there is that if I bought Scott Barnes in a trade and I gave away a top 40 player, let's say, or a top 30 player, I actually think I lose that trade because I don't think Barnes is going to be in that area. I think he's going to be in the 40 to 50 sort of range rest of season. So the most I'm willing to give up is a top 50 player to get him because I don't think that he gets back to that level for numerous reasons. 
Everything is trending down. The rebounds are trending down. The role is trending down. The usage is trending down. Now, Siakam could change things if he's moved. But I don't think that this is... While it is a buy-low, I'm shitting on Barnes here the whole time. I'm not. But it is a buy-low, but it's not a buy-low back to the first seven weeks of the season, I don't think. Now, you can fight me in the comments about this as much as you want, but this is the reality of what has happened. This I'm not These numbers are what have happened. And then in order for you to justify back to a top 20, you need to think that we get another 5 percentage point boost in, in usage. We get the rebounds to almost double back again, which I don't think they do, as well as the free throw shooting and threes coming up. And I think those two things will come up, the freeze and the three throws. That's why I have him as a buy low. But be cautious about how you target him. That's, that's really what I'll say here. Just be cautious about how you target him. Today's episode is brought to you by Better Help. New Year's is done. And you know, sometimes all that lead up with the holidays, it can be a stressful time, obviously. People trying to impose um, you know, resolutions onto you and big changes and you hear all your friends doing that sort of stuff. Or maybe you're just like sad and depressed because you live in Canada. That's possible as well. But with BetterHelp, you can help find strategies to get the little things working in your life. Find your little wins and build on those strengths without trying to do things that are too broad and too sweeping that you're not going to be able to stick. And then that leads to a spiral. Oh, I tried this and it didn't work. I guess I'm, I'm useless. Like therapy is not about that. It's about finding the little things to build on to make it a sustainable, life-changing thing. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. You go online, you fill out the questionnaire, they match you up with a therapist, and then you see whether you guys click. It's easy, it's convenient, it's suited to your schedule as well. And if you don't find that therapist that clicks, they just match you with a different one to try and get that connection going. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA and you get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL playoffs week one is done. Super wildcard week is in the books, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. Just put $5 on. Win or lose, you get $150 in bonus bets back. You can put it on your ideal Super Bowl matchup. Mine, Texans versus Lions. That's what I want to see. Hope everyone gets upset. The networks and ratings get upset. I want to see it. It's going to be awesome. And you can go and check all that out. You can also parlay stuff because they've got a parlay hub. I'm not sure if you've heard where you can go in and you can check other people's parlays. You can parlay your parlay on top of their parlay and have a super parlay. I don't know if super parlay is the right word, but you can do that over there as well. Live same game parlays plus the explore tab where you can find other bets, including parlays. Go to fanjul.com slash locked on. Make your first bet allowed. Fanjul is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. The more that I think about that Scotty Barnes buy low, and I look at it and go, mm, "Was I like, he is a buy low?" But I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a bit worried about where it goes. I'm pricing in a, a Siakam trade there as well. Let's talk about LeBron because we all marvel at LeBron. Maybe some of us don't because we're just haters, but that's okay. But what he's doing at this age is obviously incredible. But it hasn't been reported that. Well, no, I don't think it has anyway that over the last little bit of time, he hasn't been that good. He's 55th in minus one rankings over the last two weeks, 199th on Yahoo. That's the totals number. 29th in points. He's averaging 21.6 and 8.3. You said, Josh, 21.6 and 8.3 is awesome for a 39-year. Of course it is. But we're not playing fantasy on a sliding scale based on age. He's hitting 1.3 triples, 1.3 steals, 0.2 blocks. Come on, LeBron. You're better than that. 
He's at 0.6 for the season. He was at 0.6 last season blocks. That'll jump up. But what hasn't really been discussed is we play LeBron in fantasy and we rely upon his field goals, his field goal percentage. It's not there. It's done. It's, it's, it's off. He's hitting 54 from two for the last two weeks. Now, he is at 58 for the season, but this, much like a lot of those Barnes numbers, is just going down each week, each week. He was at um, 58 last season from two, 62 the year before that, 59 the year before that. He's at 58 this season, but he's at 53 over the last month and 55 over the last two months. That's a worrying sign. He's also at 28% from three. So while I can be a little bit worried about LeBron's two-point percentage and some of that is age, legs, finishing, all that, I am not ready to say that LeBron is a 28% three-point shooter. And it is very conceivable that his two-point has come back up to 56 pretty easily. Like, that can easily happen. But it's his three-pointers there. Well, he's running at 39% from three this season. Remember, he was red hot. And now 28 over the last six games and 37 over the last 13 games. 37 is reasonable for him to do rest of season. And that is a 10 percentage point jump on where he currently is. And what that does, it brings up his 46%, 46.8 from the field up to 49 or 50. There's still injury risk with a man this old, obviously. If I, look, he's struggling at the moment. If I could trade for LeBron, I would take, I would take him if I'm giving up a top 30-ish player. In points leagues, a little bit different. He's a much better points league player. He's probably like 15th in points league. So I might trade a top 20 guy, but there is a lot of risk involved in LeBron still with injuries. But what is happening at the moment, I'm not here to say that LeBron is on a permanent decline with efficiency numbers and he's going to be this bad the whole way through. Imagine LeBron at 47 rest of season. And yeah, he's also at 59 from the line, which he's not a great free throw shooter, but come on. like He was at 77 last season. He's at 73 this season. Just a big dip overall over the last two to three weeks in all of his shooting numbers. And that's that impacts everything. So while I am worried about LeBron being on the injury report every single day is questionable and suffering any sort of lower body injury, soft tissue injury, which knocks him out for three weeks, I, I, I am worried about that. If I am acquiring him, I, I will go top 30, maybe even push it to top, uh, top 40, to be honest. The last buy low is Anthony Simons. This one also comes with risk, but it's why I also think there is a bit of a buy low associated with it. Not only is he performing poorly at the moment, 116th over the last two weeks per game, 194th in Yahoo, 123rd in fantasy points. And I literally heard someone say, hey, should I drop Simon's? Like, no, you shouldn't. But that mentality exists somewhere. So what's actually going on here? 16.9 points, four rebounds, 4.3 assists. I thought this man might average 26 a game. That obviously is not happening. But he's at 23 for the season. What has happened since his return from injury? 34% from the field, 38 from three, and 88 from the line. So you'll notice there that when you're hitting 38% from three, but your field goal percentage is lower than that, there's a real problem because he is at 29.6% from two-point range. I don't expect him to be this awesome, efficient two-point guy, even though he was 53 last season. He's at 44 for this season, a lot more harder shots. It is going to come up from there. And... You also don't rely upon Anthony Simons to be a big steals and blocks guy. He's averaging 0.6 steals. He's at 0.7 last season. He's had one block since he returned from injury and no steals. None. That's in seven games. At some point, you expect him to, to luck into a steal. Before he got hurt, or sorry, yeah, before he missed those uh, three games, which was like across Christmas, New Year, he'd had um, one, one, zero, one, one steals. They'd just been non-existent. He had an 0 of 10 shooting night, a 31% shooting night, a 29% shooting night, a 13% shooting night, a 31% shooting night. He's gone over 44% once since he came back from that three-game absence. 
He's also down to 30 minutes a game. He's at 33 for the season, and I think that can actually push even higher. There's been so many blowouts on this road trip. So his minutes were 27, 23, 45, 27, 20, 29. And then the two games that they were close in, 45 and 41. So that 30 minutes is going to improve. Even the 33 for the season is going to go up. The two-point numbers are going to go up. The steals, he'll get he'll get some. At some point, he will get some steals. That'll come up as well. I would be, because of the worry about a fake injury late in the season, I'd be worried about acquiring him. But that's why I say top 90. Because if I traded him for a top 90 player right now, I could get, conceivably, a top 40 run for five weeks. And then when the fantasy playoffs come, maybe he's not there. But I didn't give up anything of real value to get him. So I wouldn't trade a top 60 player for Simons. I wouldn't trade a top 70 player for Simons because then if I do that and he isn't there in fantasy playoffs, which I think he still might be because I think the shutdowns will happen the very end of March when most fantasy playoffs should be done. But like if I'm giving up a top 90 player, a top 100 player, I'm, I'm okay with getting that short-term boost, get everything to rise back up. Maybe then I can flip it to a sell high later on. I don't know, probably not. But I'm not losing out on anything while turning a mid sort of player, back end mid player who can turn him into a maybe top 50 run player to push me up the standings and solidify some stuff. So when we worry about tanking teams and shutdowns and all all that sort of thing, we don't have to fully avoid those players. It's about finding the right balance and value. Got four sale highs now. Let's go to New York. Let's talk about Isaiah Hartenstein. Someone asked me, was Hartenstein a sale high um, about a week ago? And I said, probably not. Like, I, don't, I don't think it's possible. But then I looked at some of his numbers today and went, yeah, okay, well, this is stupid. He's 18th in minus one over the last two weeks. He's eighth on Yahoo. He's 32nd in uh, fantasy points. And how is he doing it? With like a usage of 4%, it's not, but it's close. He's at 9.6 points, 15 rebounds and 2.7 assists, averaging 1.7 steals and two blocks. He's shooting 69 from the field and 72 from the line. That's all amazing. And I think he's actually going to be a top 50 player rest of season. I'm not all that worried about Mitchell Robinson coming back. I'm not all that worried about gigantic um, regression here from Hartenstein. But there are certain things that regress him down. It will be hard to turn these numbers or to turn him into a proper sell high. But you've always got to be open to it. He's averaging, I said, 9.6 and 15. The two-point percentage, it, when we get to the high ends of percentages, sometimes we blind ourselves. Because 69 is obviously, it's, it's a great number. It's a really good percentage, field goal percentage number, two-point percentage number. It's amazing. We love this, right? And then we look at it and go, well, why can't he do that, Josh? He's at 61 for the season. And that is a huge gap. It is a massive gap. But because they're both over 60, we think that they're both equal. If I was to say that he was running at 61% now and he was at um, 53% for the season, you'd go, well, that's crazy. Like one of those is not that good. One of them is awesome. But it's actually the same percentage point gap. But we go 69 to 61 and we just think they're both awesome. If you're 55 from the from two and then you're down to 47, well... You're a, good, you're a good shooter. You're a shit shooter. That's the same gap, but it's from excellent to very good, and we don't actually view it as that big of a deal, I don't think. Maybe I'm in the minority with that. So that's got massive room to drop there from Hartenstein. The other thing is his rebound rate. His rebound rate, and I'm accounting for the extra minutes that he's playing here. So I'm not even using just pure numbers because obviously he was off the bench and now he's starting. But the last two weeks is at 15.8 per 36. For the season, he's at 12 per 36. 
that is a big difference. It's not like him starting takes him away from better rebounders where he was coming off the bench. Because who was the rebounder off the bench that was taking the boards away from him? He's just on a crazy run at the moment. And just 15 boards a game, or 15 boards per... It's just an insane number that's not going to hold. So always be ready to look for it. If someone wants to go crazy and give you a top 20 player, of course you do it, but it's not going to happen most likely. But this is just about trying to cash in some value where there is probably going to be some field goal percentage and rebound regression. I'm not even sure there's a steal or block regression. There might be, but he's bloody good at it. That might not regress. It probably does a little bit, but not as much that I needed to mention it that much. There's just a lot of things rolling here for Hartenstein, and it is just worth mentioning, A, whether you trade him away or not, that there is going to be a drop-off coming. Let's talk about the first of two Utah Jazz players that we're talking about. Number one is the Padawan, Colin Sexton. The Jazz have been the most, I don't know how to, surprising, um, electric's not the right word, but punishing team. Will Hardy made some crazy changes to the starting lineup that have worked and have turned this into the best group I've seen in this little stretch of, well, they've got the best record over the last month. They are putting up some huge performances. And I don't know what made me just think of this now, but if you guys are, are part of the show and you watch a lot on YouTube, um, you would see like in all the comments, but especially in the live premieres in the chat, you'll see someone who's in there whose name is Cats in Oakland, right? You'll see that name in the chat all the time. I want to give a shout out to Yuri because she was a guest on the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball podcast today with Steve Alexander. So go and watch her there. She's always in the chat. You'll always see her in the comments. Cats in Oakland is her YouTube name, and she is a guest on Steve's um, podcast for Rotowire today. So go and, go and watch Yuri because she's a huge supporter of this channel and a huge uh, supporter of fantasy basketball in general, and then made a guest appearance on a podcast. So it was sick. Go and watch Yuri over there. Don't know why I thought of that when talking about Colin Sexton, but there you go. Sexton's is dominating. 29th in minus one rankings. And I have historically not been a big Colin Sexton fan because I haven't liked how he's played. But I love what is happening at the moment. 29th in minus one rankings, 14th on Yahoo. 65th in fantasy points, averaging 34. He's averaging 22 points a game, two rebounds. That's a Sexton special with five assists. He's hitting two threes with one steal and 0.1 blocks. And those numbers you look at, go, okay, Josh, that's fine. Why can't he do that? What's, What's crazy about Sexton averaging 22, two and five? He's done numbers very similar to that before. There's no inflated steals. None of that's crazy. And then you get to the next line. And he's hit 58% from the field, 50% from three, 95% from the line. And he's doing this in 23.7 minutes. He's doing it on 30% usage. So he is just saying, all right, I'm on the floor. Give me every shot because they're all going to go in. And they are. I just There's just no real chance of that holding at that level. There's just none. Like, nobody is that shooter. He's at 37% for the season. I could see him 41% three-point shooter. That's not 50. He's at 61% from two. He's at 55 for the season. He was 55 last year. He was 54 the year before that. So let's say he's 55 this season. That can come down too. And does 30 usage actually hold? He's at 27 for the season. He was 27 as a bench player. He's 27 as a starter. He's just on a hot streak where he's taking every shot. Everything is going in. And his numbers are through the roof. I think he's a top 100 player, honestly, rest of season. But who knows? Because if that falls off and his efficiency drops down, his usage drops down, then he becomes like a 16-point scorer in 24 minutes a game that is more streamed than anything else. If I could get a top 60 player back for a guy that is cooking at the moment in Sexton, I would. 
And now that the Jazz are getting a lot of recognition around the place with how well they're playing and how they're just taking teams apart, the general sentiment is how good they are. There is so high ability just through that narrative alone. Because like, I don't know, there's just a... I said that like the way Sexton's playing at the moment, I said this on Twitter the other day, that he if he did this for a whole season, he'd be a most improved candidate. And someone replied back and said, nah, no, not really. Like he's actually done this in the past before. He had a season averaging 24. Like, okay, that's cool. But I think he played 37 minutes a night in that season. So there's the idea of that, well, this is who Colin Sexton is. And I'm here to tell you, it's not. So therefore, if you can get it, like, and top 60 is a long way away from being 29th the last two weeks. If I could do it, I would do it. I think he's top 100 rest of season, but he might not be. This could all fall apart. That's very possible. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. It's time to talk Rowan Barrett. The very easy thing to say here is that Rowan Barrett got traded to Toronto and he loves being in Canada. He is Canadian and he loves being in Canada. And therefore, he is awesome now. And Josh, you were completely wrong when you said that you don't think he's a 12-team category league player. And over the last two weeks, he very clearly has been a 12-team category league player. Very clearly has been. So for this time, I am wrong on that. But... But 54th in minus one, 60th in Yahoo, 49th in fantasy points. Always been a must roster points guy. He's averaging 20 points with seven rebounds and three points, seven assists. Some of this ties into the Scotty Barnes decline too. So watch that. He's hitting two threes a game with 0.7 steals and 0.6 blocks. And those of you who have followed RJ Barrett in his career before, you will say, huh, 0.7 steals and 0.6 blocks. Sounds about normal, except he averaged 0.2 blocks last season. So that's triple his usual number. The steals are about right. The 3.7 assists, marginally above what he usually does. The seven rebounds, actually way above what he usually does. He's at 4.9 for the season. He was at five last season. So that's significantly higher. But there are things here with Barrett that just will not hold. And I don't know when they fall off, but they won't hold. He's at 44% from three the last two weeks. Cool. He hits, he's at 35% for the season. He was 31 last season. Is RJ Barrett one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA? Of course he isn't. But the numbers would suggest that he is. And that's how you know that it is going to fall away. Last game, he was 0 of 4 from 3. The game before, he was 0 of 2. So it's already cooled off. But the thing is that he was so crazy, insanely hot that he's still hitting 44% over the last two weeks despite going 0 of 6 in the last two games. That's how crazy hot he has been. His two-point percentage. This man was at 50% from 2 last season. 50 no, actually, I'm lying. He was at 49% from two last season. He's at 50 from two this season, which is a really bad number. And over the last two weeks, he is at 63, just a casual 13% higher. Now, we could easily make the argument, different ecosystem, different players around him, less spinning players into the paint, less guys dominating the ball like Jalen Brunson. So maybe he gets better looks and hits him. I can, I can understand that argument. I get that. Maybe he's a 53% two-point guy. Not willing to tell you he's a 63. I'm not willing to tell you he's a center. Not willing to tell you he's got a better two-point percentage than Isaiah Hartenstein's season-long number. Not willing to tell you that. And we all know the percentages are the biggest drivers of ranking changes and value changes. If these two things, because they've both risen simultaneously, threes and twos, they've both risen at the same time. If they drop at the same time, his points come down. His three-point is made come down. His confidence comes down. His minutes will come down. We've already seen Darko do that. And instead of being 54th, he'll be 150th. And then he becomes a fringe player once again. So 
find the Canadian in your league. Find the RJ Barrett fan in your league. They exist because they'll be in the comments here. And get rid of him for any top 100 player would be my recommendation. If you might even be able to go way higher than that. Because it is narrative often trumps numbers. Barrett back in Toronto. He's the player we all expected. Number three player in the draft. Huge pedigree. Dominating. He's averaging 20 and 7. This is it. New beginnings. Someone trusts in him. All I need is someone to believe in me. Let's go. Yet those things, those numbers don't... That doesn't... That doesn't mean anything. It's not real. Like it, it can't stick at that level. Am I being a hater? Sure. I hate everybody. Hate all Canadians all the time. I'm just being realistic. And if RJ Barrett continues as a 63% two-pointer and 44% three-point shooter, well, I will concede that he's actually awesome because they are unbelievable numbers. But let's be real here and say that that's not going to happen. I'll also be watching that block number, which is triple his usual output. That's not a huge input, impact though, but it is worth monitoring. He's been great. Absolutely no question he's been great. Just look back one game though, where he had two points, uh, four, four, seven, and two on 22%. He somehow had three blocks in that game. That's another thing, is the blocks, this is his run of blocks since he was traded. Zero, zero, one, zero, 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 three, zero. Without that three block game in there, then there's no blocks to talk about whatsoever and nothing's interesting at all. But one spike game out of nowhere boosts everything way up. I think he's worth looking at as a uh, trade away target. Lastly, in this long-ass show, let's go to Utah again and talk about Larry Markkinen. There is so much talk. Rick Carlisle's out here. He's the closest thing to Dirk Nowitzki I've seen in the league. So when you hear coaches saying that, again, the publicity of the Jazz, they're getting talked about a little bit more. That's when you can really cash in. And then you go to Yahoo and go, over the last two weeks, he's third. All right. He's 13th in minus one rankings over the last two weeks. Pretty good. He's 19th in points, averaging 45. That's pretty good. This team's rolling and he's their best player. Is he in the all-star game? Maybe. 26 and 10. Two and a half assists. 3.3 triples. As per usual, 0.5 steals and 0.8 blocks. That's who he is. He's not a steals and blocks guy, which is cool. We, we know who Lowry is and that hasn't changed. Um, but what is happening here with his production? Well, he's at, again, 26 points per game. He was at 25.6 last season, 24 this season. His rebounds are up this season. He's playing more power forward. That's his position. But what is really driving this is he's hitting 47% from threes. Now, he could easily be a 40% shooter. He's at 397 for the season. He could run 41 rest of the way, no problem. Very different to 47. The 3.3 triples would be three a game or 2.9 per game. It's a difference. Cuts a little bit off the top. The free throw attempts. He's hitting 90% from the line and doing it on 7.6 attempts. Last season, six attempts. This season, 5.5 attempts. These all seem small and they are. But they're the difference between him being the 13th best player and the 25th best player. And that's where we turn this value, third on Yahoo, 13th in minus one. If I can get a top 15 guy back, if somehow I get a top 12 player back, then I do it. Because the top of the rankings board is a little bit more squishy in terms of where the players are. And all it takes is him to be a 40% three-point shooter and he's back to 30th. And the 26 points per game becomes 249 and the 3.3 triples becomes 2.9. And the field goals goes from 53 down to 49. And the free throws goes from 90 to 86 with one fewer attempt. And that's and all the value is wiped straight off. It's, they're small things. But if you don't get a top 15 player for marketing, you just bloody enjoy what's going on. And that's part of, I think, sometimes we can get obsessed with trades. You know why maybe I'm obsessed with people being obsessed with trades. That's entirely possible as well. But sometimes it is just cool to say, oh, it's pretty good, yeah? Like, it's good. I love the value. I love what he's doing. Let's just enjoy it. 
if you get that good offer, you take it. Otherwise, you just go, oh, I love this, man. This is pretty cool. I really like what's happening here and let's hope it sticks. And that is a buy low, sell high, valuation, two-week trend show, which as we start to pass fantasy trade deadline show, we'll still do this and it'll be more like, hmm, who's up, who's down, what is going on, what can I expect? Because I think that's probably just as important. Guys, you know what to do. You can be a double banger if you have listened to the audio side. Just come across and watch on video. See some sexy graphics of people's heads with numbers coming out of them. Let you read along on the screen. If you're watching on the video, thank you. But then when you're doing the chores and you're out there mowing your lawn or raking your sandpit, whatever it is, go out there and listen to the show over there as well. I don't know if I put the um, thing. I think I put it up. It's all good. Go subscribe. You know what to do. I'm done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and for watching. See ya. Thanks, John. Michael, come on, mate.